Today on Understanding Immigration, the nautical border crisis. We saw them coming across weekly, sometimes daily. Um, if you didn't see them actually in the process of coming over, you saw all the fresh rafts on the beach, of the Marquesas Keys, um, Key West, all the islands in between, um, even in the Tortugas that make it in there sometimes. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., you are now listening to FAIR's Understanding Immigration Podcast. Howdy, folks, and welcome into Understanding Immigration. With me today, I have Billy Delph of Delph Fishing. Uh, Billy's located down in Florida, and you want to know what? I'll let him take it away. Billy, tell us a little about yourself. Tell us about your fishing business. Tell us about, you know, a little bit what is going on down there in the Florida Keys. Sure, Ron. Thanks for having me on here. So Delph Fishing is a three-generation charter fishing business. We started in the 1960s uh, with my father, uh, Captain Ralph Delph. And uh, when um, we got more world records than than any other name in the business, and uh, yeah, checking out just, your Instagram, I saw some big fish there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it's a cool place, one of the most diverse fisheries in the entire world. We're actually out of Key West, Florida, and most of our charters nowadays is from Key West, Florida, to a national park called the Dry Tortugas. It's about seventy-two miles west of Key West, out in the Gulf of Mexico. So if you if you kind of look at the if you drop back a little bit on the map, you'll see Cuba about 90 miles south of us. And then we parallel that from Key West and uh, the areas that we're fishing. We're almost running about a 100 mile run on average Hmm. uh, east and west each day. So we're kind of crossing the the north side of that border there. Um, But we we run a charter fishing company. We, We do everything. Uh, snapper and grouper, everything offshore. And uh, we got three generations. I got my sons in the business now too. So we've been been doing it a while down here. I love that. I love that. So, you know, why we brought you on the show, I, I, I've been hearing that you have seen some interesting things down there recently on some of your fishing expeditions. Care to tell the listeners about it? Yeah. So, I mean, we've, you're, you're referring, I'm, I'm assuming you're talking about the, the refugees that, yeah, that have been coming that, across. That would be the one. Fire. That would be the one. So, yeah, so, you know, these guys are not new. Um, before um, Obama left office, we, we were seeing the refugees coming across when they had the wet foot, dry foot policy uh, set mm. by Jimmy Carter. We saw them coming across weekly, sometimes daily. Um, it was a regular occurrence. You see them coming through. Um, if you didn't see them actually in the process of coming over, you saw all the fresh rafts on the beach of the Marquesas Keys. Um, Key West, all the islands in between, um, even in the Tortugas that make it in there sometimes. Um, and uh, we saw him pretty regularly. And then right before Obama left office, he changed the wet foot, dry foot policy, which it, it was kind of a odd timing. I, I thought that, that that happened. But when that policy changed, we went from seeing them constantly to zero. Um, and we didn't see any as far as we're concerned, we, we saw no new rafts or anything until COVID, r- roughly around COVID. Okay. Um, as, as the world started experiencing the economic downturn, more and more pressure started mounting on, you know, uh, resources and things like that. Um, that's when all of a sudden we started seeing them coming across again. Um, I, I'm not sure how much Title 42 had anything to do with that and what was going on. There was a lot of rumors going around down in our neck of the woods about what was happening with the Cubans? Are they being sent back? Are they being allowed to stay? And even the refugees seem to be confused about it. Uh, it when we would talk to them when they're coming over, um, you know, they would they would mention things like that, but it seemed to be a little bit confusing as to what that was. Yeah. Um, 
But basically, we went down to the Dry Tortugas, and um, at Fort Jefferson, we were met by um, some Border Patrol guys there, and they said that the park was completely closed. And there was 11 rafts on the beach, over 200 migrants inside of Fort Jefferson, and they weren't even allowing you know, U.S. citizens to be using the actual Garden Key, uh, which is Fort Jefferson. It's what the tourists always go to in that area. We thought that was odd. It was a large landing. We're like, wow, that's kind of interesting. And uh, we started seeing them coming in to the Marquesas Keys, which is about, it's a little less than halfway. Uh, the Marquesas Keys is an atoll. It's a, it's a ring of islands. It's not volcanic in origin, but it's, it's a ring of islands. And it's a common place that we actually see refugees landing um, because there's beaches on the south side. So, um, and, and we're running through the Marquesas. We're running by them every day. So we, that's where we commonly see them. And we started reporting it. And we go there in the same boats, same people are there the next day. And we reported it again. Yeah, we got it. Same boats. Three days later, there's now bonfires there. It looks like a third world country. Wow. You know, all over. You could see them in the distance. I posted pictures of it on my Instagram and things like that. But you could see when we're running home at nighttime, you could see bonfires lit up all over the beaches there. And there was just more and more and more. And we're like, holy cow, I've never seen them not respond immediately to you know, migrants sitting on the beaches down there. And that's when I started calling my buddies in law enforcement. They're out there in the Blackhawks. They're flying and they're like, our cutters are literally completely full. They have no more room. They have no place to put them. That's why they're not coming to get them. And then that's when all of a sudden we started seeing the the size of that. So I I noticed, um, I just, I just did another piece with another news organization and I saw that just the Coast Guard, not, not other law enforcement agencies, in 2021, they reported the Coast Guard reported total landings um, of migrants. I think it was around 820 for 2021. Wow! And by and by October, they were reporting numbers over 5,000 for 2022. So it like it, it went up by a factor of five. I think we're closer to eight or nine thousand now. Is what I've I've heard from some of those guys. I'm not sure exactly what those numbers are at. Um, and it's no, it's no Marielle yet or anything like that. What, what happened in the 1980s, mm-hmm. but it's staggeringly huge numbers to come in such a short amount of time. And, um, yeah, I don't know now, the law enforcement guys, when you talk to them, they won't say much about their opinions on there. And they, uh, they certainly probably wouldn't in this conversation over the internet and do that for, for fear of getting some sort of negative feedback from their superiors and not, but they're pretty frustrated because they had limited resources. There's a policy that's obviously driving this, this sort of traffic coming across our borders down here and they weren't ready for it. And it's, it's, it's been a, it's been quite a, quite a show down here. Uh, it sounds like it, man. I'm, I'm yeah. hearing all the, you know, as you're explaining it, I'm seeing all this play in my head and it's like that, that, that would just be, I, I can't think of a better word than saying that would be a bonkers adventure just to go on, yeah. you know, seeing the fires yeah. on the, on the keys, everything along yeah. those lines. And, you know, you mentioned a little bit how, you know, under the Obama, Obama administration, before the Obama administration, you would see people coming on rafts and then there was a little bit of a lull and now we see people coming back again. What I'm curious oh. about is the traffic that you see now, is it more? More than what you were seeing back under the Obama administration earlier on, um, because I, obviously you know a lot about policy. I'm not sure if you think that's more of a policy switch or what you've been seeing. Oh, it's a hundred percent policy switch. There's these people aren't just coming over here by chance or anything else. It's they're coming over here because they believe they can stay. 
you know, and that's that's usually what's driving this. When you start seeing them coming in from Haiti, Cuba, like in my area, we're mostly seeing it's almost always just Cuba. Right up the road, up in uh, Alamorada, Miami, any of there, you're seeing ha- Haitians coming over in large ships where they're dumping them off and things like that. And then you have people coming up from Central America, you know, up, up through the southern border there. How is that not policy? They didn't yeah. all just work together and say, we're going to do this today because it's fun. Of you course, know? of course. And you mentioned something earlier. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify here. Now, when you're meeting someone, you know, whether it be from Haiti on a raft, from Cuba on a raft, are these people telling you something about Title 42 or talking about United States policy when not, you meet them? In general, in general, you're not going to have that kind of conversation with them. Mm-hmm. It's pretty boots on the ground, like water, you know, please don't tell, please don't call law enforcement. You know, it's, it's that kind of conversation, but as things settle down and they're kind of waiting or they've made it to the beach and they're kind of waiting for law enforcement to show up or whatever, once they've made it, um, we've had clients on the boat that speak Spanish really well. I I, I should speak it. I have, I have some sisters that are, that are half Cuban. I don't speak Spanish. So, um, but through that conversation, you'll hear things, like we're allowed to stay now, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it, there's been, you could tell with the limited conversations that's coming out on that, you could tell that there was some confusion as to what was going to happen with them. Um, and it, it was in the beginning, I think that they were allowed. Some of them were staying is what we were being told. Mm-hmm. And then um, I did a piece with vice news not too long ago. And the girl was down there talking to some of the girls, the guys that were being detained and it sounded like they were all just expedited being shipped back. Um, a, a, yeah. a lot of them, they were, they were being re- repatriated uh, with no delay. And that's so, when they land in Florida as well, correct? That's correct. Okay. Yeah. So that um, I don't know what's happening on the southern border border of Mexico, but I, I did think it was a little odd that how is Title 42 working this way over here, but differently supposedly down here in South Florida. I thought that was a little odd. Well, you're describing an increase in traffic and the people we've talked to who have been on the Southern border talked about, I've also seen an increase in traffic. So I have a feeling they're probably not too far apart here. Yeah. Uh, I had something I wanted to ask you about, you know, you gave such a vivid picture saying, you know, you saw fires across all the islands, you know, people are able to settle there where previously that wasn't something that was allowed. Do you think mm-hmm. that's due because there's, uh, because I, I think there's been an increase in police presence. I think you were talking about that a little bit. Do you think it's yeah, because they're overwhelmed or there's more people since that, since that there has been an increase so the increase is very recent now i know governor DeSantis uh let the national guard out um i saw a bunch of chinook helicopters and uh marathon key um there's a much larger presence now so we're not seeing them hit the beaches anymore mm. but that was at that moment because it just got out of hand it was literally there wasn't enough for it at that time so that's only recent before gotcha. that, it was pretty standard, pretty standard levels. So you think it was definitely necessary calling in the National Guard, calling in more police officers, everything along those lines, because the situation was just getting completely it, out of hand. It, it was mandatory. It was absolutely mandatory. There was not enough. There's not enough cutters down here. I, I'm getting texts. I got texts, everything from wives of Coast Guard families that are that are, hey, you know, showing me screenshots of their conversations. But there was cutters down here that had to lock their crew inside of the cutter. Because the the migrants kind of took over the outside of the boat. There was too many on the boat. You talk about a hundred and some on refugees on the boat to twenty crew on a cutter. It's it's too much. The cutters were full. All the assets were full. They weren't able to pick them up, so they had to. It was a must bring. For the layman out here, could you tell us what a cutter is? 
Coast Guard cutter is uh, about 100 feet long, something like that. Um, it's 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 a it's a small ship, um, and uh, they patrol our waters down here. Typically, within radar range, you're going to have cutters somewhere over the horizon with radar or radio range all across our southern border down here. They're they're when I'm out there, I'm I'm going to see them at least once that day. I'll I'll pass them one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a pretty they do a pretty good job down here patrolling that, but. There's only so much they can do. Um, they also have planes and other assets that are flying down here. Um, but to see a, just to give you an idea, people think when they when they talk about the mileage of the southern border over Mexico, and they talk about it over here, um, a radar has only so much ability to see a very small target low to the water, especially in rough sea conditions. So, the further you are over the horizon, the less ability you have to see these guys when they're coming across. It's it's hard because they blend in with the waves and they're small, low rafts. These are handmade rafts built out of desperation. So they have a car engine usually mounted on a big chunk of styrofoam on a bunch of 55 gallon drums, some tarps filled with expandable foam. They build them every way they can build them, but there, there's not much to these things. So, um, and it's, I have true compassion for these people. I, I've been seeing them my whole life. They're, these people are my, my, they're, they're also, they're the people of the same region that, you know, they, they're not, they're not so far removed that they're just some aliens that are coming across. I feel for them. I've seen them come across with little babies, um, seen grandma and grandpa on the boat with a bunch of little kids. The other day though, we saw 18 men on a boat with two babies. And that was that was odd. And they ended up being aggressive. The the law enforcement law enforcement actually had to sit there at gunpoint, order them to throw the the machete overboard because they were demanding that they're not going back. And these people are desperate. They're they're starving over there. They literally are getting thrown in jail for eating a chicken off the street uh, because their neighbors are turning them in and they're not allowed to buy more food or medicine because they don't have it. So when I look at it from their point of view. I'm going to get my family out of there. You know, I'm going to find a way to get out of that situation as well. But at the same time, what are we doing over here with our policies? That's like, let's enable those people to fight back and, 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 and change their country or do what they need to do to do that. But it's, it's a, it's a screwed up situation. It's not, there's not one easy answer, you know, on one hand, you care about them. I see them out there. It's a, it's a humanitarian crisis on one hand. And then there's, the political side of it and and what that's doing to our country as well so yeah it, it sounds like a yeah. lose-lose situation all around kind of i yeah. mean they, they're coming across it yeah it's it just sounds like a desperate situation just just for everyone involved now you talked about you know planes flying overhead you know i'm sure there's helicopters everything along those lines was that something that was a staple before or is that something that's brand new down there there, there was look the coast guard does a fantastic job down down on our down in our area. There's not a whole lot that gets through, but it would be impractical to catch every single raft that makes it across. It would be just about impossible to do down there. We can't put a wall down here. There's no way to stop it. There's debris floating around in the ocean everywhere out there that's not rafts. And there's tons of refugees that are coming across trying to make the crossing that never make it. You'll see empty rafts out there or rafts that burned or something like that from time to time that we don't talk about and we don't account for those numbers. They just disappear and that's it. So what has been down here historically, I think was a reasonable level, but the influx that came that was driven 
it, 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 it overwhelmed those resources yeah. where we couldn't get out fast enough. That's that, that, that's sad is, yeah, just without a trace. And I mean, you're out there when you're on these expeditions, when you're going through the Keys and the surrounding areas, you typically have visitors and people who are paying for experiences who are on the boat with you, right? Correct. How, do you yeah. have to explain this to them and say, this is what you're looking at right now? Are people usually sort of on par with, we know this is what's going on. What is that sort of experience like? You have people from all over the world that fish with us. Um, a large amount of them are right here from right here in South Florida. Um, it's easier for them to get down here. So you have, you know, if you were to look at the demographics of your, your average person in public down here, you're going to have people that are saying, let them come because that's how their family got here, you know, one way or the other. And they're going to be like, hey, help them, you know, and that's not something that I can do. I, I You can only do so much anyways, but it's illegal for me to do anything beyond, you know, calling them in or not. You know, that's that's about all I can do. That's the, the, I can't go put them on my boat unless their life was at risk. You know, that's then I'm then that's something that internationally I'm supposed to do. And then you'll have people on the other hand that are, you know, they they have like I do. I mean, I see it. It's a complicated issue. It's not one answer, but they want to help. But on the other hand, they realize that this is a, a more complex issue. And then you have people on the other side that like send them home. They don't want them here at all. And uh, it's everybody has different opinions on it. Um, but I, I definitely could tell you that if if our politicians were down here seeing it in real life, talking to these people in real life, um, it, it would it would definitely make them consider what those policies should look like that are that are inviting these people to come over and make that that treacherous crossing to begin with. Yeah. So it, it seems like Washington politicians, they're taking a trip down to the border at least once a month at this point. And I yeah. haven't really heard of a lot of different codels going down to the Florida border or exploring around the dry Tortugas, anything yeah. along those lines, trying to see what's going on. You think that would be a worthwhile sort of adventure for politicians to see what's going on? Yeah, it, just to understand. I mean, like I've been up there. <laughs> I've talked to some of these guys before um, on different issues. Um they always want to sound like they kind of understand your world and where you're at and give you the typical, you know, politician, make you feel like they understand you and everything, but they don't. It's it's something that you have to see. You have to understand that crossing, what it's like. And in fact, the matter is, is when Obama changed that, it's funny that Obama changed it of all people. But when he changed that policy, we went to basically zero. So what's 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 the right thing here? We we could we don't need to put up a wall down here. To do that, we have a big enough crossing there that if just the policy is enough, why are they going to risk their lives to make that crossing? Just don't re don't to me. I don't know. To me, it's a policy thing that solves the problem. Pr pretty simple. I've seen it off and on down here. That's the only thing that changed it. Yeah, it wasn't more or less patrol or anything like. They're not afraid of patrol. They're probably going to make it through. You know, um, at least the way that they're going to see it. So the question is, what happens to us after we make it? Yeah, you know, if and, we're going, if we're going to have to go back and face retribution with the with the Cuban government and every, all of that risk, they're not in general. They're not going to do it. So, yeah. and obviously, no one has all the answers. But out of curiosity, do you have any suggestions for legislations or ideas that might be able to help this? It's it's not it's not a law, law enforcement thing that's going to solve it here. I think it's kind of poor policy to put that on the backs of our our men and women that are serving in law enforcement. Um, we wouldn't even have to. They wouldn't even be in that situation if we didn't have bad policy that was 
causing them to want to come over here. At the same time, we need to defeat communism. We need to make sure that our, our um, I like to see that our, our foreign policies in, in regards to countries like Cuba, uh, Venezuela, things like that, that we're doing what we can to, to bring capitalist markets back into those places, trade and things like that. Because in the end, nothing's going to defeat communism like capitalism. When, when they start bringing wealth back to the people, every time you see it, it makes it harder and harder for them to hold and, and have a grip over those people. So find a way to find a way to figure that stuff out and, and don't reward them for coming over and they won't come over. It's, it's, it's really simple. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of yeah. sense. Something I, I'm also curious about is, has this affected your business at all? Have you seen you know any changes as far as people coming down or p- paying different prices, anything along those lines? <laughs> Not, not really. Um, not, not really. It's yeah. You hear people they are like, Oh, they're destroying the ecosystem and all that. I'm like, dude, it's sand. (laughs) (laughs) They come up on the beach. It's it's, they're not destroying the coral. It's a little bit of a mess, but I'll tell you the citizens down here, they had a tent down there. They had garbage cans. They were regularly going down there on their own. They didn't wait for the government to come do it. They cleaned up the mess down there ourselves. We didn't wait, wait for that to happen on here. And I was actually proud of some of the people that put that together and uh, I got to give give them a round of applause and, and uh, pat on the back for getting down there and just taking care of it. We don't need to wait for the government to take care of us and and, and hold our hands to do what's right. Um, but at the same time, like I said before, fix those policies and we don't have this problem to begin with. So, yeah, no, that makes a lot of yeah. sense. And I, I, I agree with you. You know, we need to look at these policies and we need to make something that works for everyone. That, that That's just common sense right yeah. there. You know, Billy, we really appreciate you being on the show. Thanks so much. Uh, do you uh, do you have anywhere where people could find you? Give your own plug. You know, tell us where how, yeah. how the people could learn. It's real simple. On. It is right here. You look me up, Delph Fishing. I'm on Instagram. Uh, we post what we're catching uh, daily on there. Um, our website, DelphFishing.com. You can book trips, buy merch. We're there. And uh, we, we, we're fishy people. We like to, we'd like to catch big fish and a lot of them. So, Heck yeah, yeah. Heck yeah. Well, you know, you can tell just by listening to this podcast that it'd be a good time down there on the boat. I'll have to get my way down oh, there yeah. sometime. Maybe uh, maybe shoot another podcast down there on the boat. That'd be a good time. Awesome. Hey, yeah, love, it, love it. Well, we appreciate everyone tuning in. Of course, Fair Immigration, thank you so much for listening in. Uh, check us out on our Twitter, on our Instagram, on our TikTok, all those at Fair Immigration. We are Fair on Facebook. And of course, you can find this on uh, Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, anywhere where you can look, listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a good one, folks. 